Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. I, you know what? I love that last song. I think um, it's, it's one of those few worship songs that praise God through the whole thing and really make it all about him and all about what he does and how great he is. And then it talks about I am. That is a phrase that is used throughout the Bible all over the place, but it's sort of hidden in different things. One of the ones that come to mind is, um, I think it's John 5, no, 858. And in John 858, it's talking about Abraham. And he's talking to a group of people that would have known Abraham really well, almost God-like, but not quite, but they would have really thought well of him. And he says, truly, truly, I am was even before Abraham. And when he's saying that, he's trying to get across to them how big I am is. And when, when you try and describe God, it's kind of like an ant trying to describe the internet. It's beyond their bandwidth. They can't even imagine to, to be able to describe it. And when we talk about God, I am is a good start because I am the mountains, the buildings, the people, but I am even beyond that. I am the creator of those things, and I am the feeling you feel when you're watching the sunrise. I am is a very big phrase, and it's just the tip of what we can learn about our God and how great he is. I was on the beach, and I was reading my Bible, and I'm just sitting here kind of basking in the ocean's glow. It's a great moment. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up and goes, hey, hey, what's that? And I'm like, uh, I have no idea what he's talking about. And he goes, that book, what's, what, what's that about? Is that the Bible? What's that about? And I go, uh, that's a great question because it's so open-ended. What's that about? Well, it's not like War and Peace where there's basically two themes. There's a lot going on in this book. And so I shouldn't be surprised because these kind of moments happen. Whenever I'm out in public reading my Bible, there's just, you know, people actually do approach you quite a bit. Usually it's for money, but sometimes it's a, it's a question. And so when he says that, it sort of takes me back and I go, well, it's about I am. Because I'm, I'm very familiar with that phrase. I love that phrase. And of course, you know, he, he sort of looks at me, but I'm thinking in my head, I am has absolutely changed me. Uh, Ed Dobson was a pastor in the year 2000. He came out with a disease, the Lou Gehrig's disease. You guys familiar with that? I think I just butchered the way you actually say the disease, but it's something like that. And in 2012, I'm reading this magazine and he's got an article where he's giving a speech in it. And he says this, he says, there are many things for which I am not grateful. And as I was Reading it, that's what caught my eye. I'm kind of flipping through going, oh, this is interesting. There's many things I'm not grateful for. I can no longer button the buttons of my shirt. I can no longer raise or put on a heavy jacket. I can no longer raise my hand above my head. I can no longer write. And over time, all of these challenges will get worse and worse. So what in the world do I have to be grateful for? And he continues and he says, so much. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, thank you that I can turn over my bed. Lord, thank you that I can still eat breakfast. Lord, thank you I can still walk and talk. And the list goes on and on. And as I read that, I realized, yeah, there's something about I am. There's something about when we have a relationship with I am, 
that takes you beyond sickness and death, takes you beyond challenges and struggles. A relationship with I am moves you to a new place to where even as you face the trials of life, you overcome and you're greater for them. Now, I wish I'd said all of that to the sky on the beach, but that's not how it came out. I very much, in most of those kind of scenarios, personalize it. And so I personalized it with seven words. And these are going to be the seven words in your notes. If you have them, you can open them up. There's a basket of pens. Pass that down. Get it ready for everybody. You want to take some vicious notes. But I started with, you know what? I am. I am born again. The Bible speaks of this, being born again. And for me, I remember where I started. I was on my college campus. It was Fresno State. Uh, Go Bulldogs. Very big campus. I'm looking around. There's the engineering building. I'm all, okay. There's business, music, English, all of these buildings. And I thought, which one of these buildings makes me the most money? How can I be successful? You know, music, no. You know, English, without business, engineering, yeah, some possibilities there. I, it, was a, it started out, sorry if you're in one of those, music or English, but you start with the mindset of me. It's all about me, and it's going to end all about me as well. That is how we sort of approach life. And then somewhere through my college years, I am got a hold of me. And when I am got a hold of me, it changed everything because he taught me what real riches were. He taught me what success was. It totally adjusted my thought process of what victory was going to be in this life. I am made me born again. And it was so much more than just about punching a ticket to heaven so I could spend an eternity in an incredible place with a God who loves me. It was about the abundant life spoken on every page, much more than heaven, by the way, an abundant life that God wants me to experience now. So when he says you are born again, he's talking about right now, I'm going to change you. You will be reborn. He speaks of it in James 1.18 when he says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. In 1 Peter 1.23 says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We are reborn. And the guy was trying to get away at this point. I said, wait, you've also been set free. I am set free. And this is so awesome because most people will live a life through their memories. You have memories that you constantly are thinking about, the memories of someone who has hurt you, the memories of something that kept you down. So for 10 years, you're like, man, if I could get those 10 years back, we live in memories. Or we live in a memory of guilt, the guilt of something that you've done in your past. And so you live in the, the memory of shame. I am set free. My God tells me as I have a relationship with him I am set free from all of those memories. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I am cleansed from those memories. I don't have to live in my past, in my guilt or in my frustrations. I don't have to live there because I have been set free. 
Romans 8.1 says there's now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when he went to the cross, that was enough. You don't have to continue to earn something. The cross was enough by itself. You were set free in that moment from now until forever. I am set free. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. This book changes me because it washes me clean. Now, I could go out in the ocean, and I could try and clean myself in the ocean. But those of you that have been in the ocean know that you don't feel all that clean afterwards. In fact, you usually want to take a shower, and there's sand forever in places it shouldn't be. But we are constantly doing things in which we are trying to cleanse ourselves. And the Bible shows us that the only thing that's going to cleanse us inside and outside, that's going to go through us and take the grit, the shame, the junk, the dirt, all of the sin out of our life, it's going to cleanse us within, cleanse us on the outside, cleanse our mind. That's what this does. I am set free by my relationship with I am. John 15, three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And when he's talking to the disciples, he makes it clear to say the word I have spoken to you. He doesn't go and talk about the Bible because I am is in the present in that moment. And I am being with the disciples is cleansing them by his words. And the point is, if you put it with the Bible, the Holy Spirit was left for us so that the Bible and the Holy Spirit together will do the same thing. It will cleanse you just as Jesus' words cleanse the disciples literally while he spoke them. I am set free. And that makes me very excited. I am excited. When we think about God, when we think about the church or this Bible, we really play down how it excites our life. Life can be pretty boring. And we might not think that because our days are so busy. We'll run around from errand after errand after errand, and you'll get home and you'll be like, man, what did I do today? I don't even, there's almost like this boredom of I didn't accomplish anything. I worked all day, and yet I get to this house and realize how boring my life is. The Bible is an exciter. All of a sudden, you'll be reading it, and the verses will jump off the page, and you'll say, I can do that. This is what it's all about. All of a sudden, it excites your life. That's what the Bible will do. Or Pastor Larry or a pastor will be up here speaking, and all of a sudden, it will excite you because you realize there's so much more to this life. There's so much more of why we are here and why we are created. It's an exciter. In Exodus chapter 23, Joshua is looking at the whole land, and God is showing him this incredible place. It's called the land of milk and honey, which I have no idea what that means. There's actually milk on the waterfalls, whatever. And he's just saying, this land, I'm going to give it all to you, but you're going to take it one step at a time. You look out, and you see the enemies. You see these warriors. These armies are are much bigger than you. These cities have walls that are giant walls around them. If you trust me and you follow me, 
I will give you each battle. And we can follow Joshua and Judges. We can see each battle and how the victory came one battle after the, the next. And when they would have step backs, it was because of sin in the camp. But at the end, they got it all. And what that excites me is that God has a plan, but he wants us to trust him in the daily walk to make sure that we are cleansing ourselves, that we're set free and reborn, but that we are also excited because he is leading us through every victory. That excites me because many times I find myself, I want results and I'll push for results. I'll, I'll just stop something and come at different angles because I want to see results. But my God, he says, trust in me daily. Spend time with me daily and you will receive my perfect plan, the whole land. And because of that, this book, I am growing. It stimulates my spiritual growth. I have been born again and set free. It excites me and now it's helping me to grow. Acts 20, Paul's talking to the, the church in Ephesus and he says, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word inheritance is what you want to focus on there. We know what the word inheritance means. If you were the son or daughter of Warren Buffett, you would have a very large inheritance coming to you. You would be kind of excited about it because you've lived a life and, and you've been responsible as a member of the family. And when he passes away, he has a will. And when you read that will, there's going to be an inheritance given to you. Now, if your father passed away and you decide, I'm never going to read this will, I'm never going to receive my inheritance, I believe the technical term would be dumb, <laughs> right? Because you have earned that as a part of this family. And what we fail to remember is that God is much richer than Warren Buffett. We don't sometimes realize how rich our God is and how he wants us to have true success and how he's the creator of all things. And our God said when Jesus died on the cross, we were grafted into the family of God. We are part of the family, which there are responsibilities to be in a family, but there is an inheritance to the family. And he says, in that death, I am leaving you my will my Holy Spirit through my will. And this will is going to show you the incredible blessings. It's going to be a massive book full of blessings. And to not read it would be dumb. It would be so foolish if we didn't take the time to see the inheritance that was given to us. How foolish that would be not to continue to grow and realize that God is absolutely wanting to bless you beyond your imagination as you follow his plan. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When I say my God is helping me to grow, I am growing there's four ways that God is growing through the word and teaching me all the time. It begins with teaching. Teaching is God showing me the path to walk on. The more I know I am, the more I will understand the path that's in front of me. Rebuking is when God shows me how I got off the path. 
and now I'm in the ditch, and everything is not how it should be because I'm not on God's path. I'm not in this word, and at some point, a rebuking comes, and we learn that I am off of his path for my life. Correcting is how I get on the path. You take the time to get to know I am, and he will correct you so that you are on the correct path. And training is how I stay on the path and never fall in that ditch again. Training daily, being in the word and letting him train you so that you will be on his path, his perfect path for us. Training, rebuking, correcting. And I missed teaching at the beginning. That was there too. That's what happens. I am growing. As this guy was listening to me, at this point, his eyes begin to glaze over because I talk way too long. And he sort of steps back and says, you know, I, I don't really understand. I, I, I'm not quite. And I said, you know what? That's interesting because I am understanding. As we get to know this God, he brings great understanding. And the truth is, until you know I am, it's going to be really tough to understand. Many Christians don't know I am that well. And they don't quite understand everything that God is doing because they're not in the book either. But I am brings understanding. Psalm 119, 130 says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. The light comes on when we know I am. That's why so many people choose sin. They don't know I am. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we know I am, the lights come on. I have this flashlight up here, and it's, uh, it's a little dull, actually. It's someone not in their Bible very much, but they have their path that they light up with their flashlight. God tells us he is a light, and as we understand him more, he will light the path in front of us. And the only way to really see the path that's further out there is by taking steps forward and letting the light continue to show the path. Now, I wish I had like a million watt candle watt, one of those huge flashlights so I could see further. But even with that, that would be someone who's in the word and knows I am very well. You would still only be able to see far enough to where you have to keep walking forward with the steps that he has given you. We want him to flip a switch and we can see the entire path from beginning to end. I know it. I know that's what we want. But God over and over uses this light reference. I am a light to your path. I'm going to show you the next steps. He said it to Joshua. He says it to us. Follow me and trust me in each step, and it will continue to show you more of my plan. I am understanding as I get to know I am. And this makes me very happy. I think it's tough for Christians to realize I am happy. We live in a world full of reasons not to be happy. We have, we have struggles around us. Every day there is just crazy things happening. I mean, you watch the news and it is discouraging. There is death, there is struggle, there is heartache. There's people choosing sin and it causes us just struggle. So it is very, very simple to face days with discouragement. But as we get to know I am, we see hope. In Romans 15, 4, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through 
endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If you have your Bibles, you'd want to underline those, those areas right there, everything. So every time we spend time with I am, everything you read in the scripture is to encourage and bring you hope. You realize God has a master plan. As a pastor, it's been a very unique experience over 20 years to have people come into my office with problems because the problems are very similar. And so the same problem will come in and someone will overcome that problem and I will see so much victory. And someone will come in with the same problem and that problem will overtake them and they will disappear. And I think about that over watching it for so long Problems are all the same. It's really the difference is the response to the problem. The similar problems happen all the time. It's how we respond to them. So what that means is someone who knows I am, they're going to react differently. They're going to respond differently to an issue. And it's how well you know I am. Are, is I am doing a miracle or is I am putting you on your knees for the rest of your life? so that you will spend time in prayer with him forever. Maybe it's a focus issue. Every problem has a response in the Bible. That response may not be exactly how we want it to be, but God is doing something in it. And the difference between someone who overcomes and someone who's overtaken is how well they know I am. So I am happy because the more I understand I am, the more I realize He's always taking care of me. He's always holding me. And even though the sin is rampant all around me, there is hope because I can also see the end. And in the end, my God wins. In the end, I am taken care of. I live through the issues. I overcome one thing after another. Psalms 119.14, you're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. I am is renewing me. I am is my quiet time, my time on the beach, my time in a small group. I see I am because he has given me encouragement and hope every day, and I am happy. Which means, and this I think is my favorite one, and the last one I shared with him, I am liberated. We live in a life where people try and tell us our potential. Our teachers, as we grew up, told us our potential. Our coaches told us our potential. Our bosses tell us our potential. We're always having people telling us our potential. And the truth is, only God, the creator of us, knows our potential. And that liberates me. It liberates me to know that my creator knows my potential. He knows what I was created for, how far I can go, and no man can tell me my potential. No man can continue to put me in a box and say how good I can be. Only my God, my creator, can tell me my potential. And it's gonna be great because he created a masterpiece. It liberates me. Even my wife doesn't know me as well as my God knows me. And the more I know I am, the more my potential is going to be revealed, the more of my path that will be revealed, the more I will see that I was created with purpose. I am liberated by my God. No man does that. 
So I really, really want to know I am. I want to spend time with I am because he's changing me. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, when you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is no limit when we know I am. And it's all right here in this book. And at this point, the guy says, okay, I want the book. And I said, nope, this one's mine. There's a lot of notes in this one. That wasn't funny. No one even laughed at that. <laughs> wow. But actually, I said just kidding, and I did give him a Bible, but he, I gave him a tip, actually three tips as I handed it to him. Because knowing those things, those things have been told to people for years. Still didn't, didn't do much in a lot of people. There's three tips. If you take a Bible, having the Bible is not going to do it. You have to do these things with it. You have to learn it. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he was talking to a group of men who had the Bible memorized. They knew the Bible so well and they knew it so well that they didn't recognize Jesus Christ standing in front of them, talking to them. You can know a lot of this book, but if you don't learn it, if you don't have a relationship with I am, it will do nothing for you. Just reading it is not enough. When, he, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he says, Mark 12, 24, your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. You don't really know it. You might have it memorized, but you don't know it. So you have to learn it in a way in which I am becomes real, which leads us to the second one. The second one is very important because this is the one in which you accept it. There are parts in this Bible that are politically incorrect. There's parts of it that's kind of crazy, you know, killing firstborn, people dying, cities being swallowed up. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. At some point, you're going to have to say, you know what? I just accept it as the word of God. And you are God, and I am not. You have to accept it. This is the guidebook for my life. It's going to guide me. And although I'm having trouble with parts of it, you are God, and I am not. At some point, you're just going to have to lay it before him and say, okay, I accept it. I accept it for what it is and how it is written, and I will learn it. I will spend time in it. I will learn. I am. More understanding will come. But at this point, I just accept it. That's a big one. Hard for a lot of people. 1 Thessalonians 2 says, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You've got to believe it for God to work in your life. It's not enough to read it. It's not enough to use it as a history book. There's a lot of great stuff in it, but at some point, you have to just say, I accept it. You are God, and I am not, and it will guide me every single day. And the third is act on it. I act on it. In John 13, 17, it says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed since you know them. That's not what that verse says at all. No, it says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you write them down in your journal or in your notes. Nope, that's not it either. 
The actual verse says this. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. The Pharisees knew the Bible. There's lots of people around us that know the Bible. There's, it's even great that you're writing it in your journal and you're using it in all cool ways. But until you act on it, until it becomes what you do, it will mean nothing and you will not know I am. I am becomes real when you start to serve. I am becomes real when you start to tell people about him. Things start to come to life when you know I am and it's affecting the way you stop sinning, the way you take things out of your life, the way that you bow before your God and glorify him through worship. When you start to act on the things this Bible says, I am becomes very real. That is one of the key things And you know what happens when we do that? I am born again. I am set free. I am free from guilt. I am excited. I am growing. I am understanding that God has a plan for my life. I am happy and I am liberated for God's potential in my life, not man's. This book has changed me as I get to know I am and I learn it, I accept it, and I do it every day. That is what this book will do if we're in it. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you for this gift that you've given us, this relationship that we can have with you that is so deep and so powerful that you come to life through this word, through the Holy Spirit, through our service to you. God, I thank you for the gift of the cross. I thank you for the gift of heaven. I thank you for the gift of now, the abundant life that you have promised us in the world we live in now. God, I thank you that you are God and we are not. So we bow before you and we give you our lives 100% in Jesus' name, amen.